0: Hi, little onions. Hello, little onions. How are we doing? Carrie and Rossi are in the studio. We just wanted the to... studio. All oh, right. The blankets under which to speak loudly. <laughs> (laughs) We wanted to just open up this episode and say hi to you guys and let you know there is no regular coverage this week. We are actually giving you a preview of what's going on over on the Patreon right now. We're doing long form, folks. And oh, is it long form? It is very long form. (laughs) We're going to give you guys the first part of this episode and then we're going to eventually cut you off. And I'm sorry about that. It's paid content, folks, but we thought you deserved a little sneak peek. Guys, this full episode will be available on Patreon in just a few days. And in the meantime, If you go over there right now, you can still listen to Ross and Gavin's front loader where you get the history about the IP, about Lord of the Rings. Lore whores. Lore whores unite. Unite. So, guys, we'll see you when it's over. Enjoy. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where there is only one editor of this podcast. Only one. And she does not share power. (laughs) I am Carrie. (laughs) And I am Ross. And this week we are covering Peter Jackson's 2001 film adaptation of J.R.R. Tolkien's high fantasy masterpiece, The Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, long form. Here it is. Here it is, babies. Oh, my God. 700 minutes of content we're about to embark on. I am not going to say I'm ready, (laughs) but I am here. (laughs) You've got two weeks to get this edited. I know. Hi from November 15th, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Great front loader, by the way. Great front loader. Thanks. I thought you guys were great. Oh, yes, folks. And we must not forget that for these next three coverages, we are going to be joined by our very in-house resident lore whore himself, the <laughs> editing bay, the one and only, the lovely Gavin Paler. Yeah, we'll be piping him in from time to time to uh, give us a little extra background. All right, folks, if you didn't listen to that front loader, go back and listen to it now because we're not doing the We've Got Names shit. We're just not doing it. We're not. No, last time uh, Gavin and Ross talked, obviously, about the origins of the story, about J.R.R. Tolkien himself. Uh, We got a little bit of the production team, and obviously we also did We've Got Names. And this is a three-hour movie, and uh, we're- Yeah, guys, you're going to be sitting here. Yeah, and so uh, we're not covering all that stuff in this episode. Go back and check out The Front Loader. Of course, Peter Jackson is our director. His wife, Fran Walsh, is the main screenwriter Mm -hmm. for this adaptation, also with Pippa Boyens and Peter Jackson himself. This film made $805 million. 20 years ago. Also, remember what we said last time. They shot all three films in 14 months. Yeah. One back to back to back. Like... <laughs> A long year and some change for those people. This is the second highest grossing film of 2001. The fifth highest grossing film of all time at the time of its release. Oh my God. And um, considered one of the greatest and most influential films ever made. I mean guys I I know there are people out there who have not seen these films I just You need to. I'm not gonna shame you for it I know that it's a lot with all of the background lore and all of the funny words and all of the different types of people there are but it's just good for the soul. Who'd have thought high fantasy get nominated for 13 Oscars? Right? Winning Best Cinematography, Best Makeup, Best Original Score for Howard Shore, because I'm a Shore whore. <laughs> yes. And Best Visual Effects, of course. Oh, man. Uh, the practical delight of this film. I know. Uh, and it's, oh, uh, you know, I don't, you know, last time I called it free 9-11 because I have to bring 9-11 into everything. Yeah. It's not. No. Yeah, no, it was Christmas 2001. <laughs> Imagine that. Woof. Oh, your fall's been awful because of 9-11, and then you have this pick-me-up. So, folks, like I said, as we go along here, our lovely little lore whore Gavin's going to be chiming in. I don't want to call him lore whore, though. No. We should I... call him something. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we call him Inkling? Oh, like the the little uh, group that you talked about last week. Yeah, with Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Absolutely. Okay. Since they are the OG lore whores. Okay, Gavin, from here on out, you are now known as Inkling. So when I ask a question, I'm going to be like, Inkling? And then Gavin will chime in to tell us all about it. How about that? <laughs>
1: Legend tells of a ring created by an ancient evil that gave its wearer the power to enslave the world. Believed lost for centuries, it has now been found. Is it secret? Is it safe? This is the One Ring, forged by the Dark Lord Sauron. Saurabh needs only this ring, to cover all the lands of a second darkness. He's seeking it. Seeking it all, his thought is bent on it.
0: No one knows it's here,
1: do they? Do they, Gandalf?
0: The weapon of the enemy is a gift. Let
1: us use it against him. You cannot wield it. None of us can. The ring must be destroyed. It was made in the fires of Mount Doom. Only there can it be unmade. I know what I must do. But I'm afraid to do it. One does not simply walk into Mordor. There is no other way.
0: Before we dive into this, folks, I'm going to ask Inkling our opening question. Oh.
2: Dear Inkling, where and when are we? The stories set within the world of J.R.R. Tolkien all take place on the planet the elves call Arda. The surface of Arda consists of two major continents separated by the Belagir, or the Great Sea. To the west are the Undying Lands, which is the home of Arda's immortal beings such as the elves and the Valar. To the east is the continent known as Middle Earth, and this is where the story of The Lord of the Rings takes place. While the histories of Middle Earth are divided into several chunks called ages, to simplify, the events of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings take place between the end of the Second Age and the end of the Third Age.
0: So yeah, guys, big complicated here. Yes, no. We're dealing with something that is completely beyond our world and yet also mirrors our world in a lot of ways. Every time you begin this film with the combination of Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh and Howard Shore, you are immediately transported. <laughs> when we watched it together to take notes and I was talking over the opening chords, you were like, no, back it up. Yeah, back it up. <laughs> back <And> it up. <laughs> I, I, it, it's, it's too classic. It's too classic.
1: The world is changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. Much that once was is lost. For none now live
0: who remember it. So yeah, guys, we open with our mysterious narrator ready to give us a prologue into the events that lead up to the opening of the Fellowship of the Ring. Who is it speaking, Carrie? It's Galadriel. Yes. You know they did this a couple different ways. I bet they did. They had Bilbo, E at home, read it, and they also had Frodo read it. Aww. Elijah Wood, but they decided to go with Galadriel's version. That makes the most sense. Galadriel was around for all of it. I'm aware, yeah, no, yeah. And guys we'll get more into who Galadriel is later. Uh, But she's going to be with us for this prologue. It began with the forging of the great rings. Three were given to the elves,
1: immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven to the dwarf lords, great miners and craftsmen of the mountain halls. And nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men who above all else
2: desire power. Inkling, what are the Rings of Power? The Rings of Power are a set of 20 magical rings that were crafted and divided amongst the major races of Middle-earth. As is outlined in the poem that begins the story, three rings were given to the elves, seven to the dwarves, and finally nine to the kings of mortal men. The final ring, the titular One Ring, was made exclusively for and by the Dark Lord Sauron. By infusing the rings with magic during their creation, Sauron could use the power of the One to control the rest, effectively making him the ruler of all.
1: In the land of Mordor, in the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Sauron forged in secret a master ring to control all others. And into this ring he poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life.
0: One ring to rule them
2: all. Inkling who was the Dark Lord Sauron? Sauron was one of the Maya, primordial spirits created to serve the will of the Valar, the gods of Tolkien's universe. Sauron was a Maya of the Valar Morgoth, the first Dark Lord, who himself sought to be the ruler of all creation. With the help of the great elven smith uh, Celebrimbor, Sauron created the Rings of Power, all while infusing them with magic without their knowledge. With the combined power of the One Ring and the massive army he had amassed, Sauron sought to do what his master could not, be the ruler of all.
1: One by one, the free lands of Middle-earth fell to the power of the Ring. But there were some who resisted. A last alliance of men and elves marched against the armies of Mordor, and on the slopes of Mount Doom, they fought for the freedom of Middle-earth.
0: In this final battle with the last alliance, the king's son, that's King Elendil, his son, Isildur, witnesses the Dark Lord smite his own father. I love these scenes. I love these shots where Sauron is just murking everyone with that mace. He's blowing everybody away. He's a big baddie. He is a big baddie. He's so evil. He looks so scary. And like... And especially with that ring on. It's it's glowing. I know. Oh my god. With the writing in the band glowing because his hand is that hot. Yes! Uh. He literally contains the fires of hell or whatever hell is in this universe. And like, guys... King Elendial is just like, that's it, I'm done. He steps up to Sauron, and Sauron murders his ass.
1: (laughs) It was in this moment, when all hope had faded, that Isildur, son of the king, took up his father's sword. He
0: cuts... Sauron's fingers away from his hand, separating the one ring from the Dark Lord. And all at once, he just combusts. (laughs) I do the same thing when I lose my cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) Right! That's it. Can't do anything today. I'm dead.
1: Sauron, the enemy of the free peoples of Middle-earth, was defeated. The ring passed to Isildur, who had this one chance to destroy evil forever. But the hearts of men are easily corrupted. And the ring of power has a will of its own.
2: Inkling who was Isildur? Isildur's origins are that of a prince of Númenor, an island inhabited by a race of men who were granted extraordinarily long life. After the fall of Númenor, Isildur and his brother Anarion and his father King Elendil settled in Middle-earth, eventually founding and ruling the kingdoms of Anor and Gondor, respectively. During the War of the Last Alliance, unlike how it's depicted in the films, it's actually Elendil who struck down Sauron himself. Using the hilt of his father's blade, Narsil... Isildur cut the One Ring from Sauron's hand and secreted it away. In hindsight, probably not the best move.
0: So yeah, guys, after Isildur cut Sauron down in the movie and took the One Ring, he had the option there in that moment to destroy it. And he decided not to, because the ring does that. The ring is absolute power, and absolute power does what, Ross? Corrupts. Corrupt absolutely. And you know what? (laughs) The guys, remember this as we're going forward. The one ring is the titular character. It really is. <laughs> Or, well, not the titular character, I guess. <laughs> but part of it. Ring, you know? ring is in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, sealdor starts to travel with this ring around his neck. And, like, guys, because the ring still exists, all of the minions of Mordor are still seeking it out. Like, he literally, having this ring is the equivalent of him having his location on. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. And so he gets tracked down by all the evil Sauron minions and is murked to death in a creek. Yeah, he dies in a riverbed and the ring literally just falls to the bottom of this creek bed where it stays for two and a half thousand years. Until
1: when chance came, it ensnared a new bearer. The ring came to the creature Gollum, who took it deep into the tunnels of the Misty Mountains, and there it consumed him.
0: Then it's picked up by the creature known as Gollum, who takes it away to his hidey hole in the Misty Mountains. (laughs) No. Where th- and there, it consumes him. This Go- is where the My Precious comes into play. Gollum even... See, the thing is, is that we don't even get a good look at Gollum until the next movie. I know. But even in shadow and silhouette... He's, he- so, he's such a disturbing creation. He fixates on this ring... And hides with it in the dark for 500 years. It's that powerful, guys. It's that powerful. I'm, I'm, as we go through this, I will be likening The Ring to hard drugs. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it's like. It's got such a hold on him. And the thing is, is that this movie goes to great and important lengths to highlight the agency that the ring seems to have in its own existence. Mm-hmm. Because it's a ring, right? It can't hop around and do things on its own. But the way this line is written, it abandoned Gollum. Yes! 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 <laughs> it, it, I'm telling you, it has a mind of its own! <laughs> Sauron didn't know what he did! What do you mean it abandoned him? Gollum <laughs> would have never let that thing go! The shots of it going ding, ding! <laughs> Ding. Like it's literally running away from him. It
1: abandoned Gollum. But
0: something happened
1: then the ring did not intend. It was picked up by the most unlikely creature imaginable. What's this? A hobbit, Bilbo Baggins of the Shire. A ring.
0: It's referencing directly the events of the original Tolkien novel, The Hobbit. Yeah, is this chapter... This chapter's called Riddles in the Dark. Riddles in the Dark, yes. In The Hobbit, where Bilbo finds the ring. It's crazy that the ring makes a cameo appearance in The Hobbit. Yeah,
2: I know, yeah. Because
0: Bilbo finds it, and yes, it assists him on the rest of his journey... But if you're just reading The Hobbit for the first time and know nothing of Lord of the Rings back when it was first published, you have you don't even have any idea. And it was like fifteen years before Lord of the Rings came out after <laughs> The Hobbit came out. It's like so damn. <laughs> we then cut to the Shire, sixty years after the events of The Hobbit. If you remember from The Front Loader, Gavin and Ross discussed how the Shire is basically based on the English countryside. It is in the northwest of Middle Earth in a region called Mm Eriador, next to Erygion and Lindor. It's always Dor, something Dor, (laughs) Gondor, Arnor, Mordor. Yeah. (laughs) Fantasy writers (laughs) fall into a pattern sometimes. And yeah, it is just about the best place in Middle Earth, the Shire is. (laughs) In our not-so-humble opinion. And y'all, one of the major races occupying the Shire is what's known as a hobbit. Inkling,
2: what are hobbits? Despite being perhaps one of the first of Tolkien's creations for Middle-earth, the origins of hobbits are left quite ambiguous. What we do know is this. Hobbits are simple folk, and that's the way they like it. Most hobbits enjoy farming, food, ales, parties, and giving and receiving presents. Hobbits, particularly those of the Shire, are very insular and suspicious of other people from other places and anything, really, that disturbs the peace. This is probably why most of them have a general disdain for Gandalf whenever he makes his way into their midst.
0: Speaking of having a disdain for outsiders... (laughs) We see Frodo Baggins, right? He's reading his little book in the woods, right? Mm-hmm. And he, who can he hear coming, Carrie? It's Gandalf the Grey! Singing his little song! The wizard is here!
2: Inkling, who is Gandalf? Gandalf the Grey, also known as Olorin, is considered to be the wisest of the Maya. Like his fellow wizards, Saruman and Radagast... Gandalf was selected to be sent to Middle-earth from the Undying Lands as a response to the rising power of the Dark Lord Sauron. During the events of The Hobbit, Gandalf worked alongside Bilbo Baggins and the party of Thorin Oakenshield to reclaim the Lonely Mountain from the dragon Smaug. After discovering that the ring that Bilbo found during their adventure was in fact the one, it's Gandalf who sets in motion the events that comprise the Lord of the Rings.
0: Gandalf has arrived in the Shire for Bilbo Baggins' 111th birthday party. They're old colleagues. <laughs> okay. Old colleagues. 60 years ago, they went on a great adventure to liberate Erebor at the Lonely Mountain. <laughs> he just showed up at Bilbo's house one day and said, I need someone tiny to crawl into a hole on a mountain <laughs> a thousand miles away. Would you mind doing that for me? And like, I just, I every time I see Gandalf, I think about how iconic his look is, especially in the beginning, because mm-hmm. you see a picture of Gandalf. Gandalf, you know who he is. His big gray hat and long beard, his magic staff. <laughs> and he's, wink, wink. sop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Frodo is so excited to see him because Gandalf is always a good time. You know, like, <laughs> you're
1: late. A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.
0: <laughs> it's wonderful to see you, Gandalf <laughs> When they crack up at each other <laughs> And they give each other the biggest hug I know Because, like, the, the, the Gandalf is known to the Hobbits of the Shire They don't like him They don't necessarily like him They like his, um... Fireworks Fireworks And his magic tricks But otherwise he's known as a disturber of the peace. Yes, he is <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> so everybody's in a tizzy about the long expected party, right? Oh, yeah. I always love that. In The in the Hobbit, it's called the unexpected party. Mm-hmm. And then in The Fellowship, the chapter's called the long expected party. Yeah. Because it's Bilbo's 111th birthday, and it has... Everything to do with the ring because it prolonged your life, right? Yeah, no. Like, listen, hobbits do live a long time, but the thing is, is that Bilbo looks amazing for his age. Oh, you know, they're not even adults till they're like 30. I feel that. Uh I feel that hard. Oh, my goodness. And so half the Shire's been invited, and Gandalf is not welcome, and... <laughs> but he's going to come anyway. He, of he's course. He's providing the fireworks. Uh, of course he is. And so Gandalf goes straight to Bag End, which is where Bilbo lives. Remember, hobbits live in cozy little holes underground, and... This hole was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. Exactly. And Gandalf knocks on Bilbo's door... And it's such an endearing moment. It is, because Bilbo thinks it's somebody bothering him about party business. No, thank you! No, thank
1: you! We don't want any more visitors, well-wishers, or distant relations! And what about very old friends? Gandalf? Bilbo
0: Baggins. My dear Gandalf! Good to see you. (laughs) 111 years old, who would believe it? (laughs) Well, come on, come in! Welcome, welcome. He's just like me for real. He loves to entertain. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? God, I love the inside of this hobbit hole. Not to mention the way they have to film all of this. Oh yeah, because obviously, hobbits are halflings. They are, like, tinier people. They're tinier people, and Gandalf is not. (laughs) He's a full-sized human being, and so- But he's not. I- yeah, he's an Istar. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, he's the height of an average human man, but the way they have to film this in order to achieve that height disparity, it's done using a number of methods, like two different fucking sets, force perspective, and computer animation. Some of these, some of these shots are so seamless. Like when when Bil when Bilbo invites him in, and Gandalf hands him his hat. That's CGI composition, but it looks so good that you don't even notice it. Exactly. And so they sit down and they start chatting and Bilbo begins rehashing how he's done with this hobbit life. He's going away after this birthday party to basically travel and finish his book, right? He says he feels... He he's beginning to feel the age in his heart because mm-hmm. he's lived much longer than most hobbits, right? Mm-hmm. I, he's like, I feel thin. I love that he says, I feel like butter scraped over too much bread. I think about that once a week. I need a holiday. A very long holiday. And I don't expect I shall
1: return. In fact, I
0: mean not to. Also, side note, he hasn't told anybody else That he's planning to fuck off and go someplace else. He's just going to leave and let the entirety of Hobbiton gossip about where he went. I mean, Frodo knows that he's been talking about leaving. But he doesn't know it's happening tonight. Yeah, no, like, and (laughs) he's like, I think Frodo, when he's like, I think Frodo's still in love with the Shire. Like, I couldn't ask him to come with me. Yeah, I couldn't, I I couldn't take him away from all of this. And plus, this is all going to be his. Yeah. Bag End is like... You no. Know, it's an estate. It is the one of the bigger Hobbit holes in Hobbiton. <laughs> and Carrie, I just love the the little moment before the party starts where Gandalf and Bilbo, I'm sorry, they're getting high before the birthday party. The Longbottom leaf. It's old Toby. Oh, old Toby. You're right. Old Toby. Finest <laughs> weed in the South Father. He even says it. And like, you know, it's bullshit. He blows the smoke ring, Bilbo does, and then Gandalf (laughs) blows a smoke ship to sail straight through it. Bullshit. And it's also great foreshadowing. (gasps) Mm -hmm. Oh, look at you doing the real thinking. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Gandalf, my old friend, this will be a night to remember. I'm getting down. This party's a banger. (laughs) Everyone's eating, drinking, dancing. Bilbo is holding court with all of the little kiddos, giving them stories from the events of The Hobbit, right? Yeah. Like when they turned all the trolls into stone. And then the next thing we absolutely must talk about are two of my favorite characters, our little plot exacerbators, Mary and Pippin. Mary and Pippin are, I don't know what Merry and Pippin have as far as ambition goes, it really just feels to me like they're puttering around Hobbiton, bothering at all times, like they're stealing fireworks out of the back of Gandalf's wagon (laughs) so that they can play around with them. The way Gandalf is distracted because he's busy dancing Uh with everybody else (laughs) and they are going through his fireworks, no, no, the big one, big one. (laughs) Guys, they pick up this enormous firework that looks like a dragon. It's shaped like a dragon, and I don't know what. It literally looks like Smaug. Yeah, it literally looks like Smaug. That's fun, and I don't know what where their heads are at. But they take it inside a tent. Done.
2: Supposed to stick it in
1: the ground. It's in the ground. I'm sorry. That was your idea.
0: And it completely takes off, taking the whole tent into the sky with it. (laughs) And as it begins to ignite in the sky, it like bows out and turns into a full-length dragon. And most of the hobbits on the ground, who have probably never even seen a dragon in their long lives... How do they think it's real? It's obviously a <laughs> firework. But like, Bilbo, watch out for the dragon. Dragon, nonsense. There hasn't been a dragon in these parts for a thousand years. And it, like, propels beyond the party way into the east. <laughs> and it explodes. Sorry to everybody in <laughs> Yes. Yeah, Sorry to everybody in Buckland. They like, leveled that community <laughs> over that ridge.
1: <laughs> that was good. Let's get another one. Brandy <laughs>
0: Brandybuck
1: and Peregrine Took.
0: I might have known. He's making them wash dishes. (laughs) And everyone is asking Bilbo for a birthday speech. Yep, Bilbo gets up there to start speechifying. He is soaking up every bit of the attention he possibly can get while he still can, right? Right. And all of a sudden, his energy completely turns over. And guys, he reaches into that teeny little pocket on the front of his vest, puts something in his hand, and then puts both hands behind his back. I regret to announce this is the end. I'm going now. I bid you all
1: a very fond farewell.
0: Goodbye. And he puts on the ring and vanishes completely. Guys! This. everybody's gasping, clutching their pearls, and Bilbo completely abandons his own party so he can set off on his road trip. Because apparently this is something the ring does to you. It makes you invisible. Yeah. That's probably one of its greatest powers. And Gandalf is like, huh. That's sus. And so when when Bilbo goes back up to Bag End to gather his things, Gandalf's waiting for him. He's also magic, so like... <laughs> I suppose you think that was terribly clever. No, that was incredibly fucked up, Bilbo. Yeah, it sure was. Everyone is currently down below the hill with <laughs> a search party for him. Gandalf asks him if he's going to leave this magic ring behind, and once again bilbo's like a different person because at first he's like oh maybe i could and then he takes it out and looks at it his eyes get different
1: now it comes to it i don't feel like parting with it it's mine i found it it came to me there's no need to get angry well if i'm angry it's your fault
0: it's mine my own my precious (laughs) I'm screeching halt, Gandalf's like precious it's been called that before but certainly not by you and when Bilbo gets in his face and goes you want it for yourself I get a (laughs) skeered oh no I I shit myself at this part every time Bilbo Baggins do not take me
1: for some conjurer of cheap tricks. I am not trying to rob you
0: trying to help you. And he's just like, "Listen, buddy, if you're going to go on this last great adventure, leave this behind. Leave that shit here." We obviously see how it affects you. <laughs> You know, with a little additional prodding, Bilbo agrees to leave the ring behind. Bilbo, mm. the ring is still in your pocket. He as does he's almost going- <laughs> leave as he's going out the door, and the, just the great shot of him looking at it in his hand, and he just has to slowly turn his hand and let it fall on the floor, which is incredible. Because as we will continue to learn That ring has immense pull And the way Bilbo can just make the choice To leave it behind is immense Something a lot of other individuals Haven't been able to do Well I say a lot Something <laughs> something a mortal man couldn't do Something a dark lord could never do mm. And believe me This will be a repeating trend
1: I've thought up an ending for my book And he lived happily ever after To the end of his days And I'm sure you will, my dear friend. Goodbye, Gandalf. Goodbye, dear Bilbo.
0: So he leaves, and Frodo comes back up to Bag End to look for Bilbo, and Gandalf says, Sorry, buddy. Your uncle dipped. And he's like, oh, are you serious? (laughs) But good news is you've inherited everything, including this nifty little magic ring. And he puts the one ring into an envelope, seals it, and says very explicitly to Frodo, keep this safe until I get back. And so Gandalf leaves and goes All the way to Gondor. All the way to the south of Middle-earth. Which is, Gondor is right over the hill from Mordor where Sauron lived and thrived. Can I just say, Gandalf made the journey that they will make in this book Twice in book one. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. He goes down into their archives in Gondor to do research on the one ring. Because he's starting to think, hmm, I think I saw the Eye of Sauron earlier. Yeah. <laughs> like, he suspected that this was the one ring, but he's trying to check himself before he wrecks himself by starting a complete panic over the fact that the one ring has resurfaced. It's been gone for two and a half thousand almost three thousand years. and he he learns through these archives that a way to confirm if it is the one ring is to put it into the fire and then the black speech inscribed on the side will light up the markings
1: upon the band begin to fade the writing which at first was as clear as red flame has all but disappeared a secret now that only fire can tell
0: we see these shots from the land of Mordor The fortress known as Mm Barad-dûr. And we hear someone being tortured within the fortress walls. (sighs) We hear two words screamed into the darkness. (laughs) We then see... The Nazgul, setting out from their dead city, Minas Morgul, in the land of Mordor. They are on their way to locate the information of the location Mm -hmm. of the One Ring. There are nine of them, which will come back. (laughs) There are nine of them! Gandalf returns to Hobbiton, goes straight to Bag End, and scares the shit out of Frodo. (laughs) Is it secret? Is it safe? Because he's going to do the demonstration for Frodo. He takes that ring, throws it into the fire, and guys, the black speech lights up. And (laughs) when he's like, hold out your hand, Frodo. It's quite cool. Drops that hot ring right in his hand and he's fine. Yeah. And guys. When he says it's some form of elvish and that he can't read it.
1: The language is that of Mordor, which I will not utter here. Mordor. In the common tongue, it says one ring to rule them all. One ring to find them.
0: One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness, fight them. And then Gandalf sets out on his explanation, right? He tells Frodo, this is the one ring forged so long ago. And Bilbo found it in Gollum's cave. Yeah. And also, by the way, Sauron's not dead. Yeah, no, he's just lost his physical form, Voldemort. (laughs) (laughs) And guys, of course, Sauron wants the ring back so he can conquer the world, so he can regain his physical form and conquer all of Middle-earth. And the ring will do anything in its power to corrupt others so it can get back to its master. It's such a me. It wants to be found. Yeah. <laughs> he also tells Frodo that the only way to destroy the One Ring is to carry it all the way back to Mordor, carry it to the top of the volcano called Mount Doom, where the ring was forged, and throw it back in. Which, come on. <laughs> Return to sender? Really? <laughs> Frodo's like, let's just put it away. Let's just put it away. Hey, no one knows it's here, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the silence is so loud. <laughs> Gandalf's like, listen. I looked everywhere for the creature Gollum, but the enemy found him first, and they got two words out of him while they were torturing him: Shire and Baggins. Shire, ah! Baggins. Shire, Baggins. But that would lead them here. Who goes there?
1: Take it, Gandalf! Take it! No photo.
0: You must take it! You cannot offer me this ring. I'm giving it to you! Don't catch me, Photo. Gandalf does not want to take the ring because he knows he's a very powerful entity, and if he puts on that ring, he's going to be corrupted by it. Yeah. He's like, I need to keep on the straight and narrow here or else we're never making it out of this threat. And so he tells Frodo to take the ring to the village of Bree while Gandalf goes and seeks the head of his order, like the order of wizards, known as Saruman, because he's pretty high up and he'll probably have some good ideas, right? And they're in the middle of making this plan when Gandalf (laughs) hears someone outside the window. And guys, this is Sam. We've not talked about Sam yet. Inkling.
2: Who is Samwise Gamgee? Samwise Gamgee, also known as My Sweet Baby Boy, is the gardener and best friend of Frodo Baggins. Like Frodo, Samwise has several interests of things that lie beyond the edges of the Shire, especially elves. One more thing of note about Samwise Gamgee, he has a huge crush on this tavern wench, Rosie Cotton, and... Let's say maybe I do too.
1: <laughs> Pardon it old Samwise Ganji! Have you been eavesdropping? I haven't dropped no eaves, sir, honest. I was just cutting the grass under the window there, if you follow me. A little late for trimming the
0: verge, don't you think? I heard raised voice. What did you hear? Speak! No, nothing important. That is, I heard a good deal about a ring and a dark lord and something about the end of the world, but please, Mr. Gandalf, sir, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me in anything unnatural. So as punishment for eavesdropping, Gandalf is going to ruin Sam's life (laughs) by sending him along with Frodo so he doesn't have to go at it alone. And guys, this is just the beginning of so much turmoil. I need us to all take one final pure breath. (sighs) Because Gandalf's parting advice to Frodo is to never put the ring on. Because like we said... Putting the ring on is like dropping your location. Yeah, exactly. The Eye of Sauron will be able to see you. The Nine Nazgul will be able to see you. It's bad news bears. So while Frodo and Sam set out towards uh, the village of Bree, which is just right outside the Shire, they're not going super far. They're just going to meet him at the Prancing Pony Inn. Yeah. (laughs) Gandalf goes to Isengard, where his, I guess, superior, Saruman, lives, and Kai's... Christopher Lee is here, and I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lee. I don't know if we mentioned this in the front loader or not, but Christopher Lee was the onset inkling. He's the onset wh- lore whore. He's Gavin. Absolutely. Like he read this book like once a year for his entire life, mm-hmm. and so he knows this inside and out. And guys, the thing of it is, is that Gandalf thinks Saruman is going to be able to help. But Saruman is already kind of ready to throw the towel in with Sauron Because even though Sauron is weak His forces in Mordor are already getting big And already mobilizing
1: He is gathering all evil to him Very soon he will have summoned an army great enough To launch an assault upon Middle-earth You know this? How? I have seen it A palantir is a dangerous tool, Salomon. Why? Why should we fear to use it?
0: Inkling, what is a palantir?
2: Like many elements of the story that aren't super relevant and yet still super important, the palantiri were brought to Middle-earth by Isildur and his family following the fall of Numenor. The Palantiri are magical seeing stones primarily used for long-range communication, allowing for communication between different stones. Of the seven that were brought to Middle-earth, four of them were ultimately lost.
0: So guys, basically, the Palantir is FaceTime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like if you're looking through one, almost anybody else who's got one can probably see you talking to whoever you're speaking to. Like, it's not a very, um, secure way to communicate in this day and age. And guys, we've got to talk about it. Yeah, Sauron's about to pull a full Benito Mussolini on Gandalf. The way Saruman turns on him by insisting they join with Sauron! As Gandalf's trying to leave, Saruman is closing all the doors.
1: We must join with him, Gandalf. We must join with Sauron. It would be wise, my friend. Tell me, friend, when did Saruman the Wise abandon reason for madness?
0: that this deserves a f- couple of more special effects. Oh, no, why? Because it's just these two old men whooping each other's ass? It's like- <laughs> Knocking each other down with their sticks. Yeah, they're just thrusting their magic stabs at each other and they're falling down and like, it's, it's just a whole chaotic mess. <laughs> when Saruman holds Gandalf down and starts spinning him around- Oh, no, yeah, he disarms him and then just starts spinning him like a top. I gave you the chance of aiding me willingly, but you have chosen the way of- Pain and then throws Gandalf up the entire length of Orthonk! And literally plants him on the roof. (laughs) Wow, he got the penthouse. He did (laughs) (laughs) the penthouse prison? Right, guys, that was your little teaser. Yeah, no, no more than that, guys. You gotta pay the $5 <laughs> if you want the rest of it. But guys, we're having so much fun with it, at least in the content creation. I'm pulling my hair out over the editing, but it's still going really well, I think. Go show Carrie that she doesn't belong <laughs> in institutionalized care. <laughs> show her that no. she belongs in this world with two jobs. <laughs> It's not that desperate, guys, but it is is—it is a labor of love, and I'm glad that we can do it for you. Yeah, no, guys, go go show Carrie-Anne and I some love by subscribing to that Patreon and getting that full content because, guys, it will be good. And it's through the rest of the year, so. Yeah, this is how we're going to end the year for Patreon. You're getting uh, front loader and Fellowship this month, and you're getting two towers in Return of the King for December, so. Woof. I know. I got to do two of these next month? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you do. I'm sorry. This was my idea. Was it? I don't know. Actually, I think it was like a a mutual thing. We like slipped into it. But guys, (laughs) no, it's there for you to enjoy. We love you. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed our little preview. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, Mom. Mom.